You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole. I'm so excited to be here live from Arendelle. And with me as she is almost every single week, the one and only, not Ice Queen, Christy Morris. <laughs> Man, you ruined it. I was going to say the Ice Queen herself. I'm back. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I mean, you're as you know, cold as ice. Yeah. That's true. All right, sorry. Uh, but we are going to be talking about Frozen tonight as we look towards Frozen 2 coming out soon. And before we do that, just a quick reminder, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure you're subscribed to any of those places. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do hit us up with a star rating review and you know let people know what you think of the show. It really does help uh, the sh- this show grow um you know star ratings and reviews are are really important so we really appreciate everybody who does that and uh we'll read your review on it on the show if you do you can find us on twitter at trek fm or on facebook at facebook.com slash trek fm we have a listeners only discussion group on facebook it's called the babel conference if you're on facebook type babel into that search field or if you are on our website at track.fm click discussion on any of the menu bars that we've got in the show pages and you will be let in there as well so you can also send us an email christy and i do love getting the emails that people send us and you can find the place to do that at trek.fm slash contact and then you choose a show choose the 602 club and that comes to christy and i we want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Y Millette, and Daniel Noah. They have been supporting this show for a very long time, and they've been making sure that everything in, on this show keeps coming to each week, as well as making sure that everything on the network does, too. This is a very big network, and we honestly, we need your help. So please go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can become part of our team and make sure all the podcasts that we do here uh, throughout the network keep coming to you. Um, we've got some great contribution levels that can give you some extra perks. But honestly, every little bit of month that you can give makes a huge difference. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Now, Christy, I wanted to ask you if you realized just how long the movie Frozen And the idea of doing this movie had been in what Hollywood likes to call development hell. Uh, I did not know how long it had been in development hell. How long was it? Well, so um, I did a little research today, just looking some things up. And apparently back in the late 30s, Walt Disney wanted to do a production uh, with live action, possibly and animation about uh, the author and poet Hans Christian Andersen. And they ah, that really, guy. Yeah. So they wanted to do something that kind of had ha- animated sequences that went along with The Little Mermaid and The Steadfast Tin Soldier, The Snow Queen, Thumbelina. So they wanted all of these things. Um, but they were having a problem 
adapting the Snow Queen, um, that they were just having a hard time kind of adapting that for a more modern audience. And so they legitimately, you know, tried throughout the, the late 30s and 40s to make this idea work, and then they just stopped. And then they actually tried again in the 90s and in 2008, and it wasn't till 2012 when they finally got started on this, and they found a way to crack this story, which I just thought that was fascinating, though, but that they have been trying to do this story in one way or another since then. That is crazy. Yeah, I knew that a lot of these stories came from the Hans Christian Andersen stuff or uh, from like the Brothers Grimm stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's funny to think that these cutesy kid movies have such a dark previous history yeah. if you look at the, the, what they were before. Um, but it's funny wow. because the Steadfast Tin Soldier actually ended up uh, in Fantasia 2000. That's one of the uh, the pieces that they do. They use um, that story there. So they do okay. use a few of these in other places. Uh, obviously, they did The Little Mermaid too, but the idea of the Snow Queen just really stumped them for the longest time. I find it weird that that story in particular did, whereas The Little Mermaid didn't. Yeah. Because, I mean, you would think that that would be a lot harder to conceptualize than... Oh, someone who can mm-hmm. put ice out of their fingers. Well, and that's uh, the thing about this is, and that's one of the the stories of his that I have I'm not as familiar with, just with um, it, uh, what it actually is, you know, because all these fairy tales, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, like Grimm's fairy tales and stuff, they're they're usually a lot darker, um, and and more kind of sometimes morose than than what we get in the Disney version. So it actually makes me want to go back now and read that story to see why it was that they might have struggled so hard in figuring out a way to make this kind of relevant for modern audiences. And and what's funny is when they were considering modern audiences... When they started, it was back in like the 1930s. (laughs) Which we would now not call so modern. Uh, I think that maybe part of it because I did do some reading about how it compares with the original Hans Christian Andersen story. Um, I, I wonder if part of the struggle was just that the initial story would have been more negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, not to say that they haven't come away from that before. I mean, um, apparently Cinderella used to be a pretty gruesome story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I think that maybe this one, someone eventually had to make that connection of adding um, something else for Elsa or whatever the main character's name was to do other than just being sort of the bad guy. Mm. So eventually they were able to put together, okay, we could have it be like her sister is her saving grace um, and and that the story goes somewhere positive and not just about how everything is covered in snow and it sort of symbol symbolically you could say everything is dead and sad and lifeless yeah no that's a great way to put it you know and and it makes sense as to why you know this might have been a, a frustration so really it so coming down to it um they they were kind of able to crack the code 
and the director finally kind of found his in and it actually kind of comes down to something that you were saying that he wanted to do something different and and so the difference that he went for was okay so what if we decide to talk about true love differently you know, mm-hmm. and, and this idea, you know, Disney has done, you know, Kiss by Prince thing. So maybe it's just time to try something new. And I think when you put it in that context, when you when you change the story from being about, you know, um, Anna saying, fall, say, uh, you know, falling in love with Kristoff and you turn it into this story about sisters and the true love between family you know, I think that's a really strong place to start and be able to finally kind of like, you know, crack this story wide open. Yeah. And I mean, initially what you're saying too, to finally stray away from the, it has to be a true love's kiss kind of thing, because you don't initially expect before you've seen this movie that it's going to go this route. And I really respect that they're recognizing there's more to life than just the romance aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it Not even the feminist viewpoint of not every damsel is in distress and needs the prince to save her, but just that there's other relationships in your life right. that matter. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and and there are other relationships that matter that are just as important as those of, say, a significant other. You know, family right. is a really important part of all of our lives and therefore making sure that... um we talk about that is huge. And so, you know, I I love this idea, you know, of doing something different. And I think, you know, what makes this, I I think the the thing that makes Frozen work the most is this whole idea of that we're kind of deconstructing the Disney movie in a really Mm -hmm. good way. um, Because this whole story really is kind of poking fun at a lot of Disney animated tropes oh yeah and i i love as well uh that they do a lot of that through olaf um yeah yeah one of my friend's favorite quotes from this movie is watch out for my butt yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i think that that's a big reason even that this movie became so hugely popular like it did i mean way beyond a lot of the other Disney movies that have ever come out was because it not only approached the humor from a different standpoint, but it was still relatable to kids. And it went this route with having a family relationship be the focus of the entire movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and along the way, it kind of makes fun of all of the other Disney movies that you've grown up with. And so mm-hmm. that, you know, as you see the way that these different relationships play out with the characters, you know, you're expecting it to go one way and then they turn it on its head because, you know, th- their whole goal here is is really it is to do something different. You know, we talked mm-hmm. last week um, about the new Terminator movie and we rightly made fun of the movie for talking about how it's not something completely different. And Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, I would say this movie does a pretty good job of trying to really give you something completely different. Exactly. I mean, and even with the animation style, you know, it's um, still 
kind of early on when Pixar is becoming bigger and bigger. But I, I love that they also do this whole thing of making it inclusive of all different kinds of families, even. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, basically you get the gist that Kristoff is an orphan and that mm-hmm. his only companion yeah. his whole life was Sven until the trolls found him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you do a, a really i mean again you're just pointing out the things that make this movie feel different and you know in some ways what's interesting is to watch them play with the disney tropes right you know you have um the the girls you know the sisters and they lose both of their parents that's very classic disney um but then like you said you kind of have the orphan character with um Kristoff, but he has friends and a family. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just a very different type of family because he's been raised by trolls who took him in, you know? Uh, and and really, this whole movie is kind of playing with all of these things that we have spent our lifetime kind of watching in different Disney movies. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of does things differently. And I think, you know, as I rewatched it the other night with uh, my wife... It's one of the things that I just, I hadn't seen this movie in quite a while. And this is, this is, I mean, the thing I was surprised about was how well, for the most part, I think this movie holds up with its storytelling and with its mantra of kind of trying to do something different. I think it does it really well. Yeah, I meant to say when you first brought that up, doing things differently uh, and and messing with the Disney tropes. I love um, when they do the whole scene where um, Christoph is making fun of Anna for falling in love with someone and wanting to marry him, even though they just met that day. But, you know, in all the classic Disney movies, you know, animation that we've seen, at least me growing up, it was like, that was just the thing. You just accept that. That's how it is. That's realistic. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is one of the things that they clearly are poking fun at. And I think that's one of the things that makes this so good, you know, because they are kind of like making just complete fun of the idea that you can fall in love with somebody in 20 minutes and that you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. Like, that's definitely not how things work, you know. And that um, you know everything about them that you need to right, know. right. And turns out she didn't. Yes. I absolutely 100% agree. That's actually probably one of my favorite parts of the movie is that whole idea. Like, it's, I, I really responded to that because I, I feel like they find such a good way to do it. It's great. It really is great. And I'm sure you felt the same way I did, the emotional pull when um Anna's life was perpetually in danger mm-hmm. as a little girl and then even twice as an, a teenager and then also they um play up that whole trope that's often in Disney movies of the townspeople turning on a character right sort of like Beauty and the Beast mhm yep yep well and and then on top of that too the whole thing i thought was really uh beautiful about the movie is that in the end what is it it's it's the sacrificial love that becomes the answer and so we play Mm -hmm. that out in a few different places as well so you know it's not about like that we just met and we're falling in love kind of thing you know 
what we see here is two people who spend you know time together and then um, through that experience they begin to learn to appreciate each other even though neither of them is perfect which mm-hmm. you know again that's kind of something really new when it comes to like Disney movies and when it comes to like Disney movies talking about romantic relationships between the characters Oh, absolutely. It, seeing the relationship built between Kristoff and Anna is, is they're sort of paralleling her relationship with Hans and showing, you know, this is how it should go. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, some several days at least go by, if not longer. Yeah. You go through some tough situations and some funny ones and, and get to know each other before you can really de- definitely before you can get married. But even uh, before you, they even kiss for the first time, whereas with Hans, you see her going, you have to kiss me now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, talking about that, this is something that's, sort of, you know, I think makes the movie really work in the end is I think that they did a great job with the cast. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kristen Bell as Anna does such a great job of being able to capture the innocence of that character who, you know, hasn't really spent any time outside the castle. And also the the intense devotion and love that she has for her sister, which I think is really cool. Um, and I just, I really love her her portrayal of this character and her, you know, the voice work that she does. I think she really is kind of the perfect choice. Yeah. She surprised me because my husband and I really only knew her from forgetting Sarah Marshall and Mm -hmm. Veronica Mars. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, when we found out that it was her, I went, Oh, I didn't really recognize her voice even, but yeah, she was really, she came across very, um, innocent. She was really great at bringing that kind of emotional piece to this character in particular, it, especially with it being a voice acting role. I think that's something that can be really hard to do because you're just in a booth and people aren't seeing your actual face. Right. But yeah, I mean, she totally blew me out of the water. I loved it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, she and and on top of that, you know, her her singing voice is so bright and cheerful you know like she's she really is oh, you would think the, she did broadway yeah it's it's the perfect disney princess um kind of kind of voice i mean what what's so interesting is she really is the kind of classic i think disney princess uh in many ways and she brings a, a sense of humor and uh, just a a real heart to the character that i think makes it work and then you know on the other side you know you have adina menzel playing elsa and I appreciate that, you know, obviously, a credible Broadway star. But the thing that she brings, I think, to the role for so much of it is she's very good at, like, kind of feeling very remote. You know, um, she does a great job. And obviously, with being a voice actor, you're only using your voice. So for her to be able to kind of portray that in the way that she plays the role and speaks, like, the fear and everything is is really great i just i really i appreciate her in the role a lot so and you know i'm sure everybody knew her before this from wicked 
I actually have never seen it. I haven't I'm either. Sorry. I've only I've only listened to the music, so Yeah, I have heard the music. So, um you and I bucket list at some point. We've got to um see yes. Wicked. Um but I knew that Adina Menzel was an incredible singer and then once again, you know, she brought it with Let It Go. If it wasn't already catchy, it having her sing it, I think, completely sold it. And mm-hmm. I think that song is now the bane of every parent's existence. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing that was interesting, I have to say, in, you know, rewatching the movie, I did question the storyline for Elsa and kind of where we go with her character in the sense that she gets to this point. Because it did seem... I think a very strange way to deal with the the problem that she has, you know, um, mm-hmm. the troll King tells Elsa that she needs to learn how to control her powers, mm-hmm. which control your powers doesn't mean never use them, hide them away. Um, and right, shut it down. Yeah. Shut down. Um, that, just doesn't make a lot of sense um, to me. And it was interesting because it kind of reminded me of some things, you know, in, in the Harry Potter world where when a, when a child uh, who has magical ability shuts his magical ability off, um, his or her magical ability off, um, it begins to kind of like build up inside of them and it turns them into what we see in the Fantastic Beast series as an obscurial. Mm-hmm. And so it, this kind of seems to be the same thing, you know, with with Elsa. It's like you you can't just shut off a power you have, you know, like that and and expect like to learn how to control something is to learn how to use it under control. Right. You know, and to so, continue practicing yeah. to get better. Right. Like <laughs> when you hear learn how to control something, that doesn't usually mean you you never you just stop using it and pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. So uh, that was something that just it was. It didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me in the movie like why everybody would be telling Elsa to just su- try and suppress her power until you know you you get to what happens which is it just explodes everywhere like she you know like it it would, yeah. it seems almost like um somebody having force abilities in Star Wars right and just trying to deny they have exists and like having them just kind of Blah! everywhere you know so yeah well i mean i think you could even parallel it to real life with people that have different abilities and talents and aren't being allowed to express them mm-hmm. or someone uh, like plenty of people i know that have add or adhd and uh, are being told that they just need to behave better and it's like well that's not the issue they just you know are extraordinary in different ways and need help focusing it somewhere. Um, And so I think that this can really help a lot of kids get some self-esteem with saying, you know, everybody's unique in their own way 
and that you have to find a way to release it in a healthy way, not to just bottle it up because eventually right. you will explode. Right. I mean, you know, we're all given different gifts, right? And so, yeah, like you have to you learn to use your gifts in a way that benefits others. And, you know, that and Elsa always trying to just rein in her her power and never ever use it like she you know, don't feel conceal really mm-hmm. it's like why would anybody tell anybody that when it comes to this type of power the whole point would be you need to learn how to use this power in a way that keeps other people and yourself from getting hurt you have to learn how to be able to use it um wisely and judiciously and it's like uh it's mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like I, that's one thing in the movie that it just rewatching, and I was like, it kind of seemed like a blaring. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. Why you would do that to your child like that? But, well, or maybe they're trying to make you mad at the parents so you're not as upset when they're gone. I don't know, but it, I totally felt like I just blame the parents for that whole thing because why would you tell your daughter? Yeah, just you know. Don't feel anything ever. That's a terrible way to live. Yeah. Yeah. That it, again, that, I mean, that's part of it. Like all of that, you know, like even just emotionally, you know, you, you have to yeah. deal with your, you know, issues. You can't just force them all inside deep, deep down and have them never explode out on everybody. So yeah. it's. Yeah, so I, I know, like, yeah, I don't, don't want to go it. down the rabbit hole, but I, I, I felt like the the most important thing that I wanted to get across that I see in this movie is like the the importance of bonding with others and of not shutting yourself off and and the human need for companionship and for physical touch, like just in a friendly way, like you know, a hug when you're upset. Or even when you're happy. Uh, you know, I, I really saw that, especially when they have Elsa wearing gloves and not touching right, her sister right. ever. Yeah. That's something that, like, they we've proven scientifically is bad for kids, is to live without that. It, it stunts them emotionally forever. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. Again, you know, this whole storyline with Elsa, it's, like, every part of it is is the exact wrong thing you would do, you know? Like it, yeah. none of it makes any sense um, to leave somebody isolated and secluded and cut off. And, you know, I mean, yeah. So. So you get why she explodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have Kristoff, uh, you know, our Iceman. And, you know, I think the thing that I loved about Kristoff in the movie um, is the fact that he is just an everyday guy. You know, he's not Mm -hmm. a prince, but he's just a good guy trying to earn his living and make his way in the world and do good to others. And in many ways, he is the person who really enables everybody else to kind of like learn this lesson. You know, Anna is, I think, able to come out of her naivety a little bit about what love is and realize what love is because of the the reflection she sees in Kristoff, which is great. Mm-hmm. And 
that spurs her on to to do what she does in the very end too for her sister. So you know, Kristoff's a very, I think uh, he he's a nice linchpin for the rest of this movie. So, and it's adorable seeing him and Sven together growing up and then also as adults, you know, it, it's sort of, um, I think, uh, another parallel to the whole issue between Elsa and Anna showing that you need human companionship in your life, not just your reindeer. <laughs> right. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, you know, for him, even too, it, you, you need companionship beyond, um, trolls right i mean you need companionship that allows um you to i mean there's a reason why just going you know if we wouldn't go all the way back to the garden even why eve is created for adam you know because he needs somebody like him that can truly relate to him um so you get that with Kristoff, and I like that a lot. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that he is really great at being the the balance to everything, sort of like you were saying, that he's not a prince, he's not wealthy, um, he's just this guy who's out there trying to get by and ends up kind of me- mixed in the middle of everything, um, but is a good person and can teach Anna about what true love can be and then also true having of a partner not just someone who um takes care of you but that you work on things together and um you know that it's a it's a 50 50 thing in a relationship um so i I really like it from that standpoint too and then i do think that it seemed a little last minute or something with having the the trolls involved at all because everything else seems really based in like maybe the alps or something and then you've got these fantastical creatures like trolls you know it's interesting because that is actually something that comes from because i was reading a little bit and it's something that actually comes from the snow queen story okay so i was wondering if the trolls were in there and so I think that's something that uh, is a part of the the original Hans Christian Andersen story. So, um, I, and again, that's kind of one of the things that kind of makes me want to go back and and read that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I think obviously every Disney movie you have to have the sidekick character these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got you know Josh Gad as Olaf and. Just he's he is a very funny character, you know, like he just he's just such a goof. Um, and he's a gem. Sorry, I just uh, he's an absolute gem in this movie. Uh, and it's funny because I still haven't seen the live action Beauty and the Beast with him, but I need to. Um, no, you it, don't. It's cool. You don't. I don't. <laughs> but I, I, I love josh gad in particular in this kind of role because i think that his personality really suits this character to begin with he just seems like as a day-to-day regular person that he's a major goof and that's like my people so uh, this was 
amazing. I was totally on board with Olaf from the get-go. I love the comic relief that he brings because some of the subject matter can get kind of heavy. Um, I think that in particular, the scenes with um, when they first meet the trolls and it's just Kristoff talk- talking to rocks and Olaf going, yeah. he's crazy. <laughs> so cute. So no. yeah, he's amazing. I love that part, um, and I also really love the part of, you know, when they're in front of the fire, and, you know, he's kind of... Oh, and kinda, his song. Yeah, um, but I mean, I just love the way that he's talking her through and helping her understand what true love really is, you know, that true love yeah. is is not about this lovey-dovey romantic feelings, that true love really is about sacrificing for somebody else yep you know giving up what you want for what somebody else wants and doing that in in a loving way and you know he's the one that helps Anna really be able to see that and I think you know in a lot of ways um it's it's Olaf and it's Kristoff together that you know make it possible for then Anna to do what she does at the end Right, because, I mean, Olaf really kind of gets Anna to that turning point where she sees that she didn't need Hans at all, and she didn't need Kristoff as far as to save her, that it was the love of her sister that was going to save the both of them, her and Elsa. Um, and Olaf is the the catalyst that makes her realize that. Um, but yeah, I, I like that you mentioned, too, that he tells her love is about putting someone else's needs before your own. And she's like, but you could die. You could melt. And he's like, that's okay. Some people are worth melting for. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know, we talked about something new and I think that's where you get Hans, the prince from the Southern Isles. And I think the thing that makes him such a successful character in this movie is that for so long in the movie, he's coming off like the classic Disney prince and then he mm-hmm. makes that turn and it's just wicked. It's Oh, it hurts. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to give major props to the actor uh, Santino Fontana for how he did the inflection of that sentence because I remember seeing that for the first time and going, "Wait, what? What did he just say?" I mean, it was just like it not even just Oh, poor thing. You thought this was going to happen. It's like, oh, wish somebody loved you. It's like, whoa. I mean, he just completely catches you off guard. And um, it's not the typical Disney fairy tale that you're expecting. It's sort of all these different things turning on their head at the same time. And you're in the audience going, am I seeing things? I'm really confused. <laughs> no, it's it's great. I mean, the the turn that he has is excellent. And I think it's one of the things that really helps, you know, make this movie. And it, and it, it brings home the, that whole idea of, you know, not trying to fall in love with somebody that you don't even know and you, you haven't seen in really in the world world. You've known for 10 minutes and like, you know, you have to spend time with people to know what their character is. And, you know, on a mistakenly put her trust into somebody that she didn't really know and now she won't do that anymore because 
you know, her experience with Kristoff helps her see what true love is like, but also what truly good people are, that they're defined by their actions. Mm -hmm. And the only way to truly know who people are is not by what they say, but by what they do. And so you have the juxtaposition of those two characters. And, you know, the whole time Kristoff has really proved himself to be a trustworthy person just by what he does. And I think, you know, um, obviously Hans is not. And so we we end up with, you know, him getting what he deserves in the end, which is great being sent back to his big 12 brothers who are going to make his life miserable, I'm sure. So, oh, yeah, fine with me. (laughs) And I love, too, that this um, and we may be using parallel and juxtaposition a lot, but it is a lot of juxtaposition happening in this movie. If you look at the difference between it looks like Hans has everything, quote unquote, and that Kristoff has nothing. But it's like the value of the person inside. Kristoff actually has everything. And I just think that's kind of perfect. Yeah, no, I mean, that's so true. So, um, you know, I think obviously for this movie, the songs are the things that most people tend to remember the most about it. And so, um, you know, I, I think I really enjoy the music in this movie. And, and one of the things I was noticing as I was listening to it and, 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 you know, watching the movie was just how much these songs feel like a Broadway play. Like they feel um, so Broadway in the way that they're written, in the way they're performed, you know. And I really uh, like that. Um, it, I think it, you know, so many Disney films, uh, and and especially the ones from the '90s and on, really have that sense of of feeling like a big Broadway production. And they did a great job with that, with with this. And, you know, even just thinking of some of the lyrics in in some of these songs, too, there is definitely a a modern, you know, twist to it, even with just some of the phrasing that they use, too. So I think I really, um, for most of these, I just really like these songs. They're just a lot of fun. Um, And they obviously, you know, like Let It Go has got a whole life of its own now. Yeah, I've got to for sure give a shout out to the songwriters for this movie because I do absolutely agree with you. It feels like it's more scenes that you would see on stage of a song rather than um, just a movie. And I think that Robert Lopez, who's one of the main songwriters, it was him and um, Kristen Anderson Lopez. He is apparently one of a very few people to have won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So, yeah, if you were going to have anyone write the music for this movie, you've picked the right people. (laughs) Um, And I think that it shows because it's these really timeless kind of, um, like, the score and everything, the sound of it, um, as well as the lyrics 
being very moving and and something that's relatable to anybody. I think that even if you're just having a bad day at work, you could go and sing Let It Go and feel better, right? See, and and this is the thing that's so interesting, uh, I think, about uh, the, the just Let It Go in general. You know, the... the, the to me, you know, Let It Go is the anthem of the villain in this movie, which I find so interesting that it's become such a, like, popular song in the sense that people think it's, like, this freeing song. But when you're really paying attention to the lyrics, you know, her her lyrics are no rules, no right, no wrong for me. Like, she truly is, when she's singing the song, she's the villain. Um, she's the one who is... Um, not caring about the cost her powers are having on the rest of the world. In fact, she doesn't even know that she's caused a problem because she doesn't care enough to check um, the fact that she's put, you know, Arendelle in this area of the the world into eternal winter. You know, she's like the... Right, the, she has no idea. Yeah, she has no idea. She, in, in many ways, she's kind of become a little bit like the White Witch from Narnia. Like, she's in her castle oh, and she just mm-hmm. doesn't care. And so... I think it's really interesting because the the anthem of let it go is the one of like utter selfishness and it's actually the thing that in the very end of the movie that everything the movie builds to says is not good you know um and so even the song like fixer upper which is probably my favorite song in the entire uh thing which is all about, you know, what real love looks like, which is learning to love people for who they are and not who you want them to be. And and that love has the ability to make a change in people, but it's not going to like 100% change who they are, right? Um, right. You know, and so what I love is that the entire rest of the movie kind of deconstructs the song Let It Go to show that what Elsa wants there is not truly what she's singing there. She thinks she's found freedom, but really what she's found is kind of a a self-damnation because it's again caused her to live in complete isolation. And she wants to think that that's okay, but what she doesn't need is isolation. What she needs is is love companionship friendship and you know right. sisterhood and all of those things that's what she needs and and that's the thing i think so interesting about the movie is that let it go became the anthem uh, that everybody picked up but honestly the movie damns that sentiment by saying that's not actually what's good for humanity to let it go to have no rules no right or wrong that's that's not how life is meant be meant to live. Life is meant to be lived. What we see in something like Fixer Upper, or what we see with you know at the beginning of the movie where her sister is saying to her, "Do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to spend time with me?" You know, those are the right. things where this movie fully brings out what truly matters. That's a good point. And, and something that I didn't even think about as far as the some of the lyrics in particular of Let It Go, when she says, uh, a kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. Mm-hmm. So very yeah. good point then to bring up it, that, it, you know, everyone that's usually the favorite of this whole movie, but it actually means the opposite of what you think. You know, I think, you know, we kind of talked about through the 
storyline for Elsa. And in the end of this movie is all about love over fear. Because Elsa had been somebody who completely lived in fear. She was afraid of what she would do to people. She was afraid of her powers. She was afraid of touching anyone. Like she is just Mm -hmm. constantly in a state of fear. And what she truly needed was she needed love and she needed somebody to help her and guide her through her powers and help her be able to learn how to overcome them in some ways, like to be able to um, control them, to be in control of them, to be the master of who she is instead of allowing fear and, and the, the fear of her powers to master her. And and I I love that the movie ends up with that being the answer that, you know, it is true love. It is true love of somebody being willing to sacrifice themselves for somebody else. You know, Anna steps in front of that sword and she has no idea whether she will live or not, but she puts herself in harm's way. Even if she's going to turn into ice, her, by her turning into ice, she will hopefully save her sister, which it's such a it's such a beautiful moment. And again, that's, it's something different. It's all about the love between family. Even when that person has not treated you very well. I mean, like Elsa hasn't treated Anna very well in her life. You know, she shut her out. But I think Anna realizes that it's, wasn't Elsa's fault Mm -hmm. that it wasn't her goal that she felt like she was being forced to do that. Yes. Uh, I, I do think that it was a beautiful moment that they actually have Elsa say at the end, oh, love will thaw the frost. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to really teach you is that love is the most important thing, all forms of love, and that fear can tear things apart and that Fear can lie to you and make you think that everyone is against you when maybe you just need to look at it from an outside perspective and someone who cares about you and see, okay, it's not what I thought. Mm -hmm. Because it definitely was Elsa projecting on the other people in the town, I think, that made them afraid of her. It was like, (laughs) fear begets fear. (laughs) Yes, yes. Absolutely. Um, and you know what? It's, it's so, and, and this is the thing that I didn't quite understand again about the movie is like, why would you put your kid through that? Like, why would you think that's the best way to help your kid deal with it? It, it feels like, why wouldn't you have taken your kid, like Elsa, out to live with the trolls who understand magic to help her learn how to control her magical ability? Right. It feels kind of like, I mean, the sad thing is it reminds me of when you used to hear that people who felt like their kid was different would lock them up. Yeah. Like in real life, like back in the maybe the 30s when this story was written. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was really sad that you would see people do that kind of thing. And so I think that maybe that was part of the story as well was saying that parents need to realize that being different is not bad and doesn't mean that you need to hide from the world. And I think, you know, it's just, yeah. And I was a kid who, you know, would be called uh, ADD or ADHD. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents didn't put me on medication or, or, or anything. And honestly, they just kind of dealt with it. And you know what? I grew out of it. Like, I'm very... They didn't get you special gloves. <laughs> yeah. No, I did not need special gloves. <laughs> and one of the things is, is that uh, I'm very kind of like introverted and everything now. It's completely different than who I was as a kid, you know, and, and my parents just allowed me to, you know, learn and to grow and to, to be who I was going to be. So I, I think, again, not a thing that's beautiful about the movie is is getting to that point where it is about love over fear and that l- love there. It's it's And again, it's not just like a wishy-washy type of thing. It's this idea of truly sacrificial love, but it's also love that just gives like Anna putting herself in front of her sister and giving herself for her sister awakens something in Elsa that she's never had before because nobody has done that because all they've done is told her to be, you know, in the corner, don't touch anything, don't feel anything. And yet her her sister is is helping her see another way. And I think I just really Mm -hmm. love that about the movie. And it's the thing that means the most to me in it. And I think, um, it's 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 what makes this movie so beautiful then to share with kids because that really is truly a good message so yeah i i don't think i could have said it better i i think it is a really wonderful story about friendship and about yeah the bonds of siblings and about really trying to reach out and grow as a person rather than shut people out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I, I was a blubbering mess again and I knew <laughs> I was going to cry when I watched this movie and I did. That's great. So what would you rate then frozen? I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Um, snowman noses. Because I think that it, there's only a, a couple little things I might would have changed, but the music is not one of them. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, I think that especially when we were discussing the turn of Hans's character was groundbreaking. And although it was shocking, it was great. Um, so I, I enjoy this movie every time I see it. I just dread watching the emotional scenes again because I know I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, it it pulls something out of me every time I watch it. It's very rewatchable. Yeah, I just, uh, I really enjoyed rewatching this movie, you know, and like I said before, you know, it held up for me really well. And, you know, I think that this is going to be four out of five freshly lacquered sleds for me. So, um, oh, nice. Yeah, I just really, really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, highly, you know, recommend it to everyone. And so, with that thought, Christy, it's time for recommendations. So, my recommendation this time is Monty Python's Holy Grail, which I believe is still on Netflix. It's one of the many things that I watched with my dad a ton growing up. Uh, we would constantly joke about, look at the bones. Uh, and, uh, you know, what? 
is your favorite color. Um, <laughs> it just, it's got so many good one-liners and I don't understand when people tell me that they don't get it. I'm like, you don't have to get it. It's just weird. So I highly recommend watching Monty yeah. Python's Holy Grail and all the Monty Python stuff. It's good stuff. No, I highly, I, I mean, as our last episode is, is a testament. You know, we named it after one of their fine circus um, skits. Mm-hmm. So definitely do it agree. again do it again yeah um so i am going to recommend a couple of things um two books because we're going to be covering them here on the show so i want people to be ready uh and i think you know i'm going to recommend them uh resistance reborn and force collector are both parts of the journey to star wars the rise of skywalker and i encourage you to read them um and and recommend them i think they're worth reading but um it'll also uh, it'll help you out because we'll be covering them in the next few weeks. So those are my recommendations for the week. Christy, where can people find you online? You can find me in the Babel Conference sometimes. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then I do a couple of other shows. I do a show with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabers and Spells, where we talk about anything geeky we're feeling that time. Uh, we are going to be moving forward talking about, um, oh man, last time we talked about Stranger Things recently. I think next we're going to start um, actually talking about how we became Harry Potter fans, speaking of spells. Um, so stay with us through that. I also do a show once a month with a group of five women from around the world called Planet Leia about uh, all of our viewpoints on different Star Wars topics. And then I also do a show once a month, a uh, five-minute segment called Fashion in Five on the Star Wars Report about men's and women's Star Wars fashion. And you could find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name MattRushing02. Uh, you can find me here on the network. When Chris Jones and I get a chance, we talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine on The Orb. You can also find me on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Owl Post with Drea Kaufman, talking about Harry Potter each and every week. Now, she was going to be with us this episode, but was a little under the weather, unfortunately. And so we hope she'll be back for when we talk about Frozen 2. Uh, you can also find me doing aggressive negotiations, talking about Star Wars each and every week with John Mills and... If there's so much Star Wars coming out now with The Mandalorian and everything else that's going to be released on Disney+, Plus, plus The Rise of Skywalker, so make sure you check that out. And then, last but not least, you can find me doing cinema stories with my good friend Courtney, where we talk about films through the lens of faith. But we want to say thank you so much for joining us. And let it go, you hear? Thank you.